Hello, welcome to another episode of Writer's Tribe Pod. I have the pleasure of having Miss Andrina Sawyer joining us. How are you doing today? Good well, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, gracing us thank, with your thank presence. You. Thank you for having me. I, I, was, I was just, you know, I love your testimony. I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. I love yours as well. Um, so I I read your book, The Misadventures of an Entrepreneur, Five Things They Won't Teach You in Business School. So the the title in and of itself is really captivating. It's it's it will grab anyone's attention who is thinking of embarking on this entrepreneur journey. But before we get into that, could you please give me like a backstory of who you are, where you're from? Just, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I am currently, I live in, in Baltimore, Maryland, but I'm originally from Sierra Leone, West Africa, small little country on the West Coast um, of Africa. And my family and I came when I was nine years old um, because of a civil war. And so I grew up in New Jersey, I'm the oldest of uh, three girls in my family. Um, I love Jesus. I love people. Currently, I work as an entrepreneur. I own my own small business. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. I love God and I love people and I am trying to survive this pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're doing a great job. You're still here. So praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? No. So the funny thing is I wanted to be anything but an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so my dad had a venture in my teens that did not do very well. And um, like our family was financially devastated because of it. And so I always said after that experience, like who, who would want this? Like who would want to own a business and risk everything? Right. Um, yeah, so I wanted to be anything but, but an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So um, when you became a full-time entrepreneur, what were your initial thoughts? And I do want to say that my 11-year-old came up with this question. <laughs> so I'm going to shout him out for this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, what went through my mind when I first became an entrepreneur? So I'm not going to lie. When, when it first started, there was a lot of adrenaline, right? Really? And I think I got caught up in the adrenaline of other people trying to live vicariously through me. So... For example, when I quit my job, my supervisor, who was like a mentor, I really looked up to her, would always congratulate me because she was a middle-aged woman who always wanted to start a business, but she never did it. And so she would always say, Andrina, good job. I'm so glad you're doing it while you're so young because, you know, women like me, we want to do it and we never did. Wow. And so, the yeah, the adrenaline and, and their excitement made me excited. And it wasn't until maybe about two years in when the reality of stuff started to hit me that I was like, whoa, like, what did I get myself into? Um, but at first it felt good. It was thrilling. People were excited for me or they said they were excited for me. Mm -hmm. um, so it felt good. That's good. Yeah. The rush of it all is like it, it's it's like getting on a roller coaster. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> you know, you're going to have fun after you get off of it. You know, you're going to love it. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so in chapter one of your book, you discuss mental health and entrepreneurship. So why do you believe that this is important? Um, I think mental health is really kind of the foundation 
um, of everything that that's healthy or unhealthy in our lives. I think when we are not in a in a good space mentally, mm-hmm. it starts to reflect in the quality of work we do, wow, yeah. in the types of relationships that we have, in what we tolerate and don't tolerate. Um, and so, as an entrepreneur, like I saw that connected. I saw my mental health affect weight gain and depression and people pleasing and you know, doing things that were out of character for me because I was always so stressed out and my mental health was not in a good space. Um, And I don't think that that's something that people talk about with entrepreneurship is take care of your mental health. Right. Absolutely. That's something we need to take care of just in all aspects of life and especially entrepreneurship, because I believe that people will be tested in the most, the, the weirdest ways, you know, and, um, so I, I'm glad you mentioned that in your book. And um, so you also shared that you were a teacher prior to being a full-time entrepreneur. So what subject did you teach? Um, so I was, I taught in different capacities. I started off actually teaching like pre-K. Um, and yeah, and then, I was, <laughs> then I was a substitute teacher for a little bit. Um, And then the last teaching gig I had um, before doing my business full time was as an entrepreneurship and marketing teacher at a high school. Oh, really? That Mm -hmm. is so cool because that was my favorite class. I had an entrepreneur um, or I had like a marketing teacher in high school and I Uh was a teacher's pet. She got me my first office job. (laughs) Oh, nice. You see the funny thing, Tara? So the high school that I taught at, It was like a trade school slash alternative high school. Mm -hmm. So these were the kids that got kicked out of like public school. So trying to teach them like marketing and stuff was something that was like very challenging because like most of them, they just wanted money. Right. And so, you know, when you're in trade school, you're interested in like carpentry. You're interested in like things that are going to easily convert to money and marketing was not something that was interesting. So it was it was a very interesting um, position <laughs> to be in. That's good. I'm pretty sure you had like a huge impact on their lives because I still remember my marketing teacher. I I do. I she I remember I wasn't doing. I had lost my job as a. Um, I was working at Big Lots and they laid me off because I was the youngest one there. And they were like, you, you're in high school. You don't have any kids. You're <laughs> we uh, other people. <laughs> I know it was crazy. So like they're like, uh, you can afford to lose this job. So I had went to her and I spoke to her. I was like, I lost my job. And so she got me this job because um, she had connections in the community. And from then on, I was just like, I want to work in offices. But that was 16 year old me (laughs) (laughs) I love it yeah no I I had a good experience I had I remember I hope I made an impact uh thank you for saying that I remember one one young lady who was like so mean to me because you know I I looked younger I was they thought they could like get over and I remember at the end of the school year the last day she came up to me and she said Miss Sawyer would you be my mentor? Aww. And I was like, if you don't get out of here, girl, you're trying to fight me. <laughs> so you, you 
know, you never know like at what point it like hits home with, with the students, but that's that's awesome to hear about, you know, you and your teacher. <laughs> yes. So um how did your mental mental health change when you became an entrepreneur? So you were a teacher. And then so you transitioned to becoming a businesswoman. So, um, you know, a lot of people talk about the impact of teaching it has on their emotional health and mental health and physical health. So do you think that's there's a difference when you embark on your own journey? Absolutely. I think as as a teacher, my mental health was directly connected to nine to five mm -hmm. you know like whatever happened if they made me angry they made me angry between the now hours of nine to five if i was excited sometimes i would take that home um as an entrepreneur i didn't have that luxury so i was up at 2 a.m worried about my business like i didn't have the luxury to just turn my mental health on and off like mm. if i didn't have money it affected my social life you know right. and the anxiety with that um there was just so much more stability with mental with um teaching that contributed to like a more positive mental health and they have the resources so if at any point you know i needed to go see a therapist my health insurance would cover stuff like that as an entrepreneur i didn't have the luxury of having health insurance for many many years and so you got an issue going on in your mental with your mental health figure it out yeah like you know what i mean like, <laughs> It's just it's just um, a lot harder. I I found in my experience to like manage stuff because you're on your own. Like for the first time, for a lot of us who like take took a le a leap of faith, like we just had to figure it out on the limb. Yeah, yeah. So um, also you discuss um, business infrastructure, and you said that um, I interpret it as your business have has to have good bones. You know, and you mentioned how, you know, could you walk away for two weeks? Would your business still be in operations? Right. And um, so my question is, what do you think a person should do in order to be able to walk away for two weeks and still have their operations running? Like what steps do you think they should take in the beginning? The, the first thing is is create a strategic plan. Mm -hmm. um, and that language is not very popular because most people automatically assume they need a business plan. But the strategic plan is very, very different. It's actually the blueprint for how to make the business run. Mm -hmm. So I would say invest in that. Invest in either learning how to create one or hiring someone to develop one for you. Um, and then step number two is to be several steps ahead um, because what happens is when you're several steps ahead at least mentally you move into a position where you're creating like cash reserves where you're training people for like succession purposes and those are the things that allow you to walk away with in peace because when you walk away if something happens at least there's some money in the bank mm -hmm. if you're not there to do like damage control if a customer is unhappy at least there's someone a protege within the company that knows how to handle it so people don't call you you know 24 7 on vacation but be about three to four steps ahead of everyone else in your business and all your customers um and make sure that you have a good strategic plan a good strategic plan that's really good advice. So would you suggest someone waiting until their business is sustainable uh, before they go out and, you know, go to Bahamas or whatnot? <laughs> Do you think they should just give it a few years or 
just uh, maybe just be prepared to bring work with them? Um, I, I think I think when you take a good vacation, leave the work behind. And that sometimes that does mean that we have to wait. Like I didn't have a, a, a real vacation. I don't think until like five years in mm-hmm. um, with business, but I didn't do a lot of things well. Um, if I had done some things better, that it might have been year two or three. Um, does, do I think that people need to wait? I think if you are able to hold it off, yes. If you are not because of your mental health, because you need rest, then don't. Because even if the business has to pause because you're taking a break, long term, it'll be better off for you to get that rest. Um, it'll be better off for your business for you to get that rest and for your people for you to get that rest. Even if it means you're not making money for two weeks while you are on vacation. And it might mean the vacation is not um, at the Bahamas. It might mean a staycation at your house that mm-hmm. costs you nothing. But that rest is like critical. It's really critical to efficiency. That's good. That's good stuff. So um, <laughs> I love the chapter, fake it till you make it. Because <laughs> I believe that we live in a society now where a lot of people are faking it, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I I was really, really drawn to the story about the guy that you, I'm not sure if he was just a a, a, a friend, like a, a boyfriend or, sh- or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but he f- closed down his business because it, it, from the outside, it looked like he was killing it. Like he was balling and everything. But then meanwhile, he closes business. So um, how do we avoid making it? Should we avoid making it look easy or should we continue to be transparent? Like, how did you avoid the the fake it till you make it, you know, the culture, fake it till you make it culture, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I got caught up in that for a little bit Mm -hmm. until I realized it's a trap, um, that never really ends. Um, and so that kind of woke me up. Like knowing his story was really kind of this rude awakening for me. Like I do, I'm not doing anybody a favor Mm -hmm. by pretending that everything is okay. Um, like I had some really low seasons in entrepreneurship where I suffered unnecessarily because I couldn't be transparent. And I think it was the trauma associated with those experiences that motivated me to not continue to do that. So I'll give you an example. Like yesterday, I was talking to someone about how, like, I remember winning a local county award for like 30 under 30 or something. And like everybody was so excited. I had posted it on social media. And the day of the award came, Tara, and I could not go because I didn't have gas in my car and I didn't have gas money. I didn't have $10 in my bank account to get gas. And I was, there was so much pride associated with that because I didn't want to ask anybody for money because of fear that they might ask, well, why do you need $10? Like, aren't you a business owner? Mm -hmm. And so to prevent like that line of questioning, I just sat out of the award. And so, you know, with a little bit of maturity, I realized this is stupid. (laughs) Like like you faking it till you make it and you got a hundred likes on Facebook, but you missed out on an opportunity of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so once I realized what it was costing me to fake it, um, I was like, yeah, no, nah, this is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, the way my personality is anyway, is just like, I'm uncomfortable with like inauthenticity. Like 
people being insincere makes me uncomfortable. And um, I realized I was doing it to myself. And that, that was kind of my wake up call. That is good. That's good stuff. So um, what are some of the roadblocks you experienced during your, um, your journey? So I, I remember in your book, you talk about the year of doom. <laughs> <laughs> and my, as you were, as I was reading it, my heart was just going out to you. I was like, oh my gosh, but you kept going. You just kept going. So could you please just explain just some of the roadblocks you experienced during your, your journey? <laughs> yeah, the year of doom. <laughs> um, yeah, that year was hard. Um, it was hard. So that year, my family got some really difficult news um, from one of my sisters. Um, and it was like a betrayal of like the highest level, um, from someone that was closest to our family. So while we're trying to deal with that, help through that trauma, deal with the legal ramifications of that. Um, I got evicted from my apartment that year. Um, my car got repossessed actually in like a 24 hour window. I don't even think it was a full 48 hours. Like it was literally a day after I got evicted from my apartment. My car was repossessed. And then my grandmother died. Um, like shortly after all of this happened and it was like one of those seasons in my life where even though I was young I was like God I'm like the one who was like set apart like mm -hmm. in high school when everybody was wilding and tripping I was like no I'm gonna be the Christian girl and in college when people were doing whatever they wanted I was the Christian girl I was a good church girl and now I'm I'm walking in this thing called purpose. And everybody says when you're a Christian, you're supposed to be purposeful. Mm -hmm. So why does it seem like I'm being punished with one thing after the other after the other? Um, how did I navigate that? Honestly, it was like one step at a time. There was, um, it drove me closer to God, but there was a couple, a friend of mine um, married a guy, they were close to my age. And they helped me through that. I mean, from everything, they paid for me to get my car back. I didn't know, Tara, there's so many layers to this story, but they were the first couple, the first people who taught me that success doesn't look like social media success. Because I remember them being very unassuming. Like you would look at them and be like, how do they have like $4,000 in the bank to just give? You know what I mean? Because they were not fancy. They weren't glamorous. They didn't have social media profiles. And so God used them to like provide an answer with my car. Then they used to pray with me. Like every two, three days, they would call me, check on me and pray with me. Then was my grandmother in the Greece. So it really was like a season where God just like loved on me so, so intimately and so closely. Um that was a really long answer, but, but no, I answered the question. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. I love that answer because I love how you said that they didn't look like, you know, they didn't, they weren't glamorous. And I think that that's true success when you can just, when you're glamorous without even looking like you're glamorous, you know, and you're able to give freely. Awestruck because, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> No, no, I was awestruck because they were close to my age. So they weren't even like 30 oh, wow. yet. Yeah, they weren't even 30 yet. And I remember like trying to work out a payment arrangement because, like, you know, I had a lot of pride. I'm like, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you back. And I remember them just being like, this is a way for us to give and sow into your life. This is, we believe that the Lord is going to restore this. It was nothing wow. for them to give me thousands of dollars. And then, Tara, on top of that, 
Man, on top of that, they let me use, so they had two cars, husband and wife. They let me use one of their cars and they shared a car wow. in the interim. Yeah. So they were like, you know, I, I looked at, at, at people like that. And then I, I looked at like the social media, you know, we talked about that. And I'm like, the people who really are in position to give and be a blessing and who are operating in success and wealth, mm -hmm. like they're the least expected because they don't, it's nothing to them. Yeah. You know? So that really kind of blessed me to change my perspective on how I view wealth and people and charity and giving and all that. That is awesome. That is awesome. That's goals right there. Like that is what I want to, that's who exactly. I want to be. <laughs> That's exactly. exactly. So could you, so we discussed some of the lows. Could you please discuss some of your highs, your triumphs that you've experienced? Yeah. I mean, I, I think my biggest uh, triumphs have been being a part of other people's success. So in my role as a consultant, I've helped people build businesses. Um, and some have built businesses that have blown mine out of the water. Like their businesses have tripled quadrupled what mine looks like you know um and so to play a part in that has been good i remember helping a charity build a hospital in nigeria wow. and i was like it's yeah it's nice to have been a part of their story um but i've written books um that people have read all over the world and and that's been really encouraging um yeah recently like a few years ago i bought my own house um and that was encouraging because it was like the Lord restoring after getting evicted from my apartment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And being um, like an unmarried entrepreneur and being able to buy my own house. Like it was, yeah, it's been nice to see how God has restored a lot of things for me. That's a blessing. That's such a yeah. blessing. And so um, Another question I wanted to ask you was, how do you, so you're a Christian woman, so how do you mix faith and business? Because a lot of the business owners we see are uh, secular, you know, and um, a lot of the times we might not see a, a Christian, successful Christian business owner. So how do you mix the two? Um, I, I stand uncompromisingly on my Christianity. Um, I don't, I don't use it as a badge of honor or I don't mean to use it as like, a, look at me, I'm a Christian. Right. Um, but when I think about the year of doom and when my friends turned away and not very many people could have helped me, like I think about the constant in my life that's been God. And so I consult God, like God is my business partner. He's the CEO. I'm just the manager. And that's the dynamic. And so if he tells me to talk about him sometimes, I'll talk about him. If he tells me to write about him, I write about him. And so it's like directly tied. Um, even in the way that I try, I'm not perfect, but even in the way that we try to treat customers, we want it to be a reflection of like the way that Jesus would treat customers mm -hmm. and the way that, you know, when I hire people and I bring on team members, like the way that people would, Jesus would leave people, I try to, to do that. I don't always get it right. Um, but because my faith is kind of the anchor in my life, I try. I really do. And I, I'm always asking the Holy Spirit, like, help me to get it. Because um, I'm just, like, I'm grateful. Like, I want my business to be a reflection because there wouldn't be no business, like, after that year if it weren't <laughs> for him. That is amazing. Thank God. Well, um, where can people find you? Where, how can we get in touch with you? 
Yeah. <laughs> so I have a main website, AndrinaSawyer.com. Uh, I'm also um, social on Instagram. I'm not a fan of Facebook, really, but I um, Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn, I am very active there. That's awesome. So I want everybody to go and follow her, look her up. Just she is an accomplished woman of God. And I'm so, so, so grateful that you decided to come on. Um, thank you so much for have for uh, coming on. <laughs> I almost said for having me. <laughs> It'll come because I definitely would love for you to, to come on something I'm doing. Like I said, I'm just such a huge fan of your, your transparency with your testimony um, and conversion and, and deliverance. Like I, I'm, I'm a fan. So <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome.